What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. John and I are back just a few days after we released our weekend show. Uh, we had some technical, we had some scheduling issues, so we put it out on the weekend instead. But we're back in our normal Wednesday night, uh, Thursday morning uh, showtime. So, John, what's up? What's going on? Not much, man. How are you been? Well, since I just saw you, what was it, about three and a half days ago? Pretty good. Good. And you so, saw the Page movie tonight, so... I saw the Page movie tonight. I'll have a short review for for people uh, if they're interested in seeing it. But, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of really fun stuff. So let, let's just dive into it. Uh, the first thing I want to get out of the way, though, is... Um, so the website in which uh this whole podcast and everything is based off of was originally called fight game blog and the story behind fight game blog is i wanted to get a website called the fight game or the fight game.com and fight game is generally a term used in boxing when they talk about sort of like the unspoken politics or stuff going on around boxing that has nothing to do with actually what actually happens in the in, in ring and and the term where I sort of started to see it was in in the fight between Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard you know Leonard is glitz and glamour and Hagler is you know means business Leonard's a great fighter as well but that's kind of the, the two stances that they took in that fight and um and someone had had written at the time that Leonard did something that made Hagler react in a way that Hagler wouldn't normally react, meaning like the stage is so much bigger than 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 ever before. And he said, Sugar Ray just put the fight game on him. And so ever since then, I just been mesmerized by this phrase. So I couldn't get the fight dot com. Uh, and so I, I said, OK, well, this is a blog. How about fightgameblog.com? And over the last, I think we opened this this blog in like 08 or 09. So over the last years, I would just randomly like look up, okay, who's got fightgame.com? It was like some old boxing message board. And I don't think the boxing message board exists, but whoever had it still owns a name. So I couldn't, couldn't get what I wanted. So now that we're doing all of these podcasts, I'm not doing too much writing. It doesn't really make sense to call the website fight game blog it's like we're we i don't really blog anymore it's it's a different thing and so you know i even told you i was looking for maybe fightgamepodcast.com because that's kind of like the home the home space for it that was also taken fight game pod was also taken and 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 also i'm like looking for like the social media stuff too right to get all of those the same so that people don't really have to search around too far so and i was talking to doing um, we were talking about a website or a company that does podcasts. And this company is called Gimlet, G-I-M-L-E-T. And I don't think they have Gimlet.com, but what they do have is they have GimletMedia.com. So Duin was like, well, why don't, what about FightGameMedia.com? And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Lo and behold, it's available. All the social is available. So at some point, we'll get the we'll get the name servers pointed to uh, to uh, fightgamemedia.com, and that will be the new name of the website. I've already got all of the social 
um, for that. Th- this this podcast will still be available under Fight Game Podcast because I don't want to change that for for iTunes. It just it just makes more sense to keep it that way. But yeah, so that's kind of where where the naming convention is headed. It's just going to be you know sort of a catch all rather than super specific. So if you are like, why did things change? That's why they changed. Um, and then also, I just wanted to pimp out two other things. One is the podcast that John and I did over the weekend. Not just this fight game podcast that we did, but we also did a We Want Flair podcast on a Big Van Vader match from Starcade 93. And it's not just about the match. We basically go through Flair's entire 1993 run with WCW and what it culminates to. So that was really fun to do. Uh, and then upcoming in a few days is going to be the Fabulous Four podcast. It's the penultimate episode. Uh, it, it's the last actual fight. If you'd been following Dune and I, we've been doing these podcasts over like the last three years where we cover the fights between Marvin Hagler, Tommy Hearn, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Berto Duran. And we're at the end. We, we basically, the last one is... From 1989, Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran three, Uno Mas, <laughs> and uh, and so we did that. We have one more episode to record, which is sort of the epilogue, and we'll kind of, you know, we'll kind of uh, wrap up the entire thing and our thoughts on that for that long project. Uh, but that's it. That that's kind of what we're doing. So that you know, we're we're kind of ramping up a little. You and I are kind of trying to stay on a once a month uh, thing with the We Want Flair. So. So we'll keep trying to do that, and yeah, we'll, we'll have other stuff come down the line. So um, that is that, and I guess the other big news is that Beverly Hills 90210 is coming back. <laughs> I mean, that's big that's news crazy. for me. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited for that, but that's 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 the non-sort of wrestling MMA stuff we got to, to get out of the way. Um, I think where I want to start... And be, it's it's mostly because a lot of the folks in our uh, our Facebook group are kind of jazzed about the idea of the new Japan Cup and them putting out brackets and us being able to kind of fill out brackets like this is March Madness. Um, but what, I mean, what do you think of? I mean, they they added you know they added uh, they doubled the amount of guys from last year to kind of make this like a March Madness kind of event. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's cool and also in some ways kind of waters it down though. You know, when you start putting like certain guys in it that you know are just going to be there to lose in the first round, so it's kind of like takes away from some of the drama. But I mean, it's been I guess if it wasn't for the uh, fight game fight game Facebook group, you know, I probably wouldn't be as hyped. But now I am because we're doing these brackets and we're all having fun picking winners and time of the final match and 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 so yeah it's been cool and um i'm looking forward to the tournament especially when it gets into the second round because that's when i think it's bring some really really good matches and i'm curious to see what gato has up his sleeve i know he likes to do some twists and turns so um yeah pretty excited i i you know but i think i think okada is winning it I think he's beaten Coda in the finals, and I think Okada's going to win the title at uh, MSG. I think they really want something big to happen there, and I think that would be huge for the IWGP title change hands in the United States, and Okada winning it 
and Masters of Harvard is such a big deal. And then Kota can go on to win a G1 and go on to Russell Kingdom to defeat Okada for the title. That's kind of what I see coming down the line for New Japan. Okay, so you you said that you know by having more wrestlers in the tournament, it could water down the bracket. And, and I, I totally get why you're saying that. But also kind of what I'm excited about is having these younger guys face like these top guys, right? Because we get to see them have, you know, matches to start the show or maybe they're in like a hot eight man or whatever to start a show. But now that, you know, they get to like Uminu gets to wrestle Tanahashi, like not saying that, you know, they're going to have this, you know, five star classic, but it's just cool to see how Tanahashi you know, wrestles against one of these uh, one of these younger guys because I mean the the way that they treat these guys is that you know essentially they will mm-hmm. become you know the the next generation uh, if they if they keep at it. So I think that's actually pretty cool. I mean, what it does you know kind of like what you said is it it it, it makes the first round pretty predictable. Um, there are some there are some good matches though in the first round. You know, it's it's funny because uh, I think someone on the group said. He wished they they actually had seeds, right? It's like they, everyone should be seated so that you know Tanahashi's the number one contender, so he should be number one seed, and then you know whoever's sixteen seed then has to face Tanahashi. But it's like uh, who's yeah, well, I think it's, it's Abushi. It's like that, really. Well, well Abushi. Imino's probably in the 16th seed, right? So it kind of makes sense. But like then you have Kota against Naito. Like, yeah, that's yeah. like, that should be saved for like a Elite Eight match in a sense, you know? Yes, yes. That's like the biggest match of the first round, definitely. And that should be killer. Definitely God, what be a great match. So, so just to quickly kind of go over how, how they're doing this. So on March 8th, so I think that is like, what, next Thursday, maybe? Um, Ishii Nagata, Hanma Taichi, Nakanishi Yoshihashi, and Owens and, uh, uh, Chase Owens and Juice Robinson. So that will be the May 8th matches. The May 9th matches, Okada Elgin, which is going to be really good. Uh, Nichols and Hikuleo. Am I pronouncing that right? Mm-hmm. Hikuleo. Yep. So explain the, the Nichols thing, because I think people are like, what happened? I thought he was leaving You know, WWE. How does he just get to show up here? Oh, well, he's 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 worked in Japan before he's a connection there with uh, Rocky Romero. Um, they both came up through the Inoki Dojo in LA. Um, um, him and, uh, Hartley Jackson, who now is a coach for the NXT, um, at the performance center. Like they started there. They went, they came from Australia. They flew out to the United States. They went to LA to train the dojo. They're just a bunch of skinny kids. And they actually would, they actually came up and worked, uh, uh, at the APW Garage, and I, I actually got to manage my tag team, the Mafia, Chris Colioni and Benesta Marco. We worked uh, Mikey Nichols and uh, Hartley Jackson, and uh, it was fun. And we also had Fergal there. Fergal DeVitt came up, uh, Finn Balor. Fergie D. And, yep, and we had Carl Anderson and Rocky Romero and a few other guys come up through the Noki Dojo. And that was a lot of fun time. It was, uh, it was they're a bunch of great guys, and you know, like he, I think he reached out probably and contacted Rocky, and Rocky gave a spot. There's some opening. I'm glad to see that he's with the uh, in the, the Chaos Group. That's pretty cool. So he's an, also now he's in a group. 
Um, curious to see how this works out in the future. Um, wonder what happens with Shane Haste in, in WWE because that guy is such a talented guy, and I hope NXT doesn't waste him because uh, he, he is really good. And but you never know; he could end up in New Japan someday. You know that'd be really free form the mighty there, and because they're really a good team, they're actually they're actually excellent. I mean, I used to follow them in Noah, and they had some really good matches there. And I just thought they were gonna do a lot better than WWE. They just, didn't, just didn't really find their place. And hopefully, maybe you know, in the future they can reunite. And I think New Japan would be a great spot because uh, definitely something to spice up that tag team division in New Japan. I mean, it's good. It's it's just I like to see some new teams come in and, and add some variety. So he had asked for his release and they gave him his release or was his contract up? Like, what was the story behind that? I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but he might have asked for his release. I know he, they said, WWE Nat said it was something for personal reasons, right? That's what they announced. So who knows? Maybe just, uh, you know, I know he just had a kid, I believe. And, or, uh, so, Maybe that was it. That was it. He needed a break. He needed a mental break, and he is a free agent and want to get back into it and contact Rocky, and then there you go. And so the other matches for March 9th, Osprey and uh, Bad Luck Fale, Hanare against Archer, and then on the tenth, it's Tanahashi and Umino, Tenzan against Finlay. But it sounds like David Finlay is going to be out of the tournament. Yep. He hurt. He got hurt. So they have not yet announced, uh, you know, who, who's going to be in next for him. Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb. I know, I know right? That's what I'm hoping for. God, why isn't he in in the first place? Um, and then we mentioned Ibushi and Naito and Evil and Zack Saber Jr. Like, what a Jesus! You know, those two matches back to back on March 10th are going to be amazing. Yeah, I and, think the reason why Jeff Cobb's not going might not be in it because he's the ROH TV champion. Right, right. I don't know if they really want him losing because they're 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 giving them this you know monster push and undefeated and well yeah because 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 he would have to have a second round match with Tanahashi which would be amazing but which would be awesome it'd be great but you know he's 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 set up for a you know big MSG match whatever that is um, I don't know but I you know. I, I just know it's going to be big, and it's going to be awesome to see that live, too. And then the last day, it would be March 11th, and you have Makabe, and uh, is that Colt Cabana in this tournament? Yes. Yeah, that, <laughs> I saw that, and eh. Well, you know what? Like, I, mean, I like Colt, though. I like Colt. Well, I, I saw Colt at your show, and I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? He's fun to watch. Like he, he, I well, mean, he is. His, his style is, doesn't necessarily... Uh, you know, mesh as well in, in that crowd, but for an independent wrestler, he's a really fun style. Actually, cool. I mean, he's very talented. I was just, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was a different point. I like because I'm really big, big Makabe fan, and I don't know. Maybe I wanted something a little more, someone a little more that has that more of that. I mean, tougher appeal. You know, Cole has that fun, good time. There's a lot of world of sports style stuff and i don't know i was hoping maybe for maybe he wrestled john or something like that keep mm-hmm. kind of fun little mm-hmm. goofy thing or something but 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 when it comes to colt i mean he did really well in noah when he was there and had some really good matches teaming with uh, chris hero and and actually they had one hell of a tag team match a few years ago against uh the Kira elite squad like it was like really really good 
And uh, I think it's one of their last matches together as the tag team, Hero and Cabana. So, I don't know. It may, it may, may be a match that I mean, I'm not looking forward to it now, but then when it happens, I'll be uh, I'll be surprised. Uh, I think Togi uh, Makabe sh- should take that match. Um, he definitely needs something. You know, he hasn't really been doing much other than in the middle of the card. So I could see him getting a win there. And then the rest of March 11th is Yano against Davy Boy uh, Smith Jr., Kojima against Suzuki, and Goto against Sonata. So, I mean, there are going to be some really fun second and third round matches mm-hmm. in this tournament that, you know, against guys who normally don't or aren't feuding or we haven't really seen feud. And uh, and so that the tournament starts on March 8th and, and the finals will be on March 24th. And when we do this show uh, next week, maybe maybe we'll break down our brackets because uh, I think I yeah. think when we do the show, it'll probably be uh, later that evening that the first show is. So we'll, we'll special, maybe we'll do that next week. The special uh, March Madness mm-hmm. <laughs> edition, mm-hmm. maybe a little uh, brackology. Well, I, I, uh, bra- yeah, bracketology. I I, I yeah. told uh, I told Big Dave that. You know, there should be some gambling going on on this thing. Like, what's going on? They bet on what match ratings Dave's going to do. Well, why not? <laughs> why can't they bet on this? Um, all right. So, so that that so that's been really fun. So, uh, let me give the quick the quick page movie review. So, fighting with my family. Um, the the. I, th- I think most people know sort of the background of Paige, especially if you followed her when she started in WWE. You know, she comes from a wrestling family. Um, the, the her 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 parents are like crazy wrestling, you know, promoters, local promoters, and you know, doing all kinds of different variations of matches between them and between the kids. And you know, I I wonder. I don't know Paige's story well enough, but I wonder how close of a comparison they would be to Stu Hart and and what he was doing with his family like it seems like you know that the the um Paige's family was a little bit more on like a uh, a smaller scale sort of like almost uh I don't I don't know like just a wackier scale than than what Stu did but like both of them are like just hardcore wrestling families and um and so the the movie basically is about Paige and her brother's dream of making it to WWE. Uh, I don't know if that was Paige's dream. It may have been. I need to watch that documentary with her and her family, which is what I think The Rock saw when he decided that he wanted to to do this movie. And um, it is, I would say, if you are a WWE wrestling fan. You're going to look for the holes in the story like I did, and you're going to find some. You're going to wonder who is who. Uh, I think the the um, the main actress who plays Paige, uh, Florence Florence Pugh, she's pretty good. Uh, and her the, the person who plays her brother, Zach, is an actor called uh, Jack, Jack Loudon, and he's he's really good as well. Uh, the 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 dad and the mom are, you know, goofy really good comedic timing I think the problem that I have with the movie is that because that like they're trying to tell both a fun story and a emotional story and sometimes the emotions kind of intercept each other 
And like there are certain scenes where I was like, if the director just holds this shot for like five more seconds, it becomes like meaningful. But because the movie is cut in a way where it's just like, boom, 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 boom. We got to get through this whole story. A lot of like the emotion doesn't like really sit there enough. And and I think it's also because they do want it to be fun and not totally emotional. But um, but the WWE stuff is done in a pretty close to what I expect. Expect it to be, you know, uh, Vince Vaughn plays Hutch Morgan, who I believe is supposed to be Canyon Seaman, but he also kind of is like Triple H at the same time in sort of his role. Um, but I think he's really supposed to be Canyon Seaman. But in this movie, uh, his name is Hutch Morgan, and he's actually an ex pro wrestler who chased his dream too much to the extent that he hurt, couldn't do it anymore. And so he was kind of like a metaphor for Paige's brother. Uh, and the only issue is Vince Vaughn is like mailing this movie in to like tremendous proportions. Like, like I don't know, you know, how they cast this, but it, it was almost like they were like, "Hey, Vince, do you, you know, are you interested?" And he's like, "Well, how much?" And they're like, "Well, this much." And he's like, "Okay, I'm in." Like, it's like a paycheck movie for him. He's he is not. He, he's fast talking, but without the charm. He's just kind of like a fast talking dick a, a little bit. And so I was disappointed in, in Vince. Rock is in it uh, for a, a decent amount. I think everyone knows the the part of the of the trailer that he does that whole spiel. But he's also in a couple other parts. Um, they 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 kind of uh, they they tell a tall tale in that he was very interested in her career uh, in the movie when. I, he probably didn't really know her that well uh, in real life. Um, and uh, Zelina Vega plays AJ Lee. So that's kind of fun. You know, it's kind of fun to see someone who's actually a wrestler play AJ Lee. Uh, Tessa Blanchard did uh, the actual wrestling for Florence Pugh. So that's actually kind of a little cool trivia for for fans. Uh, and, I th- and I think they tried to portray there were three women who uh, Paige was kind of in the same class with, and they were all pretty, and they were all, like, not wrestling. Uh, you know, they, they didn't come from wrestling. They were, like, models and cheerleaders. It was sort of like, uh, you know, Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, um, Bailey kind of thing, but it wasn't really because of their background. So... Uh, I think they were just there to kind of like show the difference between Paige and who WWE was really signing back then. Could maybe it's like the Bellas? I don't. I don't know exactly who they were trying to portray, but uh, no, no one that had an actual uh, name. There was no names. But interestingly, one of the women's name is Jerry Lynn, J E R I, and then Lynn. And she does this blowjob joke in a, in a promo that was sort of like an accidental promo. And just the fact that her name was Jerry Lynn, I was like, is this a rib on Jerry Lynn? I don't know what's going on here. But um, if you're into like, you know, who from WWE shows up, obviously I said Rock. Big Show and Sheamus have a small scene where they're arguing with each other. Uh, there's like, there's, there's lots of footage of, of old, you know, Attitude Era stuff, John Cena stuff. Um, 
And yeah, I think that's it. So, you know, if you're looking for just sort of like a fun, mindless movie, I think this is totally fine. I I don't think you need to see this in the theater. It's a perfect rental. It's like one of those movies that's like the perfect rental. Like if you're flipping channels and you see it's on, you're like, oh, I'll hang out with this thing for, you know, for 45 minutes or whatever. I think it plays much better than that way than, you know, actually paying money in the movies to see it. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. My, my kid who, you know, if you ask him, he's like, ah, oh, I'm MMA, I'm not wrestling, even though he like knows more about wrestling. The, the, he grew up watching, so he knows just as much about it as he does <laughs> MMA. He was like, oh, that was that was really fun. Uh, you know, I, li- I liked it. It was fun, fun spirit at the end. Feel good, feel good movie. So he liked it. So, he, so you know, maybe maybe if you're too close to the wrestling scene like I am, then you just nitpick it. But if you're not, then you're just like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's what happened. So I, I, I give it, if, if this was uh, Siskel and Ebert, they didn't give thumbs in the middle, did they? It was either thumbs up or thumbs down. I thought they did middle, if I remember correctly. I would give it a thumbs in the middle. But if it's on like a 10-point scale, you know, six and a half. And if you're on a, a, a Dave Meltzer five-star or six and a half-star scale, it's probably like a three, three and a quarter. You know, it's a pretty pretty halfway decent, uh, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston match. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so... Just wanted to give that give that spiel for for folks, which leads us. I, I mentioned Kofi because he's Kofi. Kofi's in the plans right now, as far as the road to WrestleMania is concerned. But we'll get to Kofi in a second. Um, what did you think of the Roman return? Like that was kind of a big deal. Thought it was really cool. Thought it was really well done. Um, I. Like everything happened that I expected to happen. I expected him to get physically involved later than an evening. Um, I thought his promo was really good. I thought they did really well with it and gave it enough time and didn't rush through it. So, no, I really liked it. So, I, I, I have, I, I have, I don't have an issue with with how he came back. I thought it was awesome. Uh, you know, he got the cheers. I just have I, I feel like WWE is really on this high right now of just like manipulating the hell out of their fan base. And you know, that's somewhat partially their job, right? Like they want to get you to believe something and want to see it. That is the main job of of how you put the stuff together. But I think I just have a bad taste in my mouth from the Saudi Arabia stuff. From, you know, other things that I go, okay, this is this. They probably didn't need to do this. And I'm not exactly sure why they're doing this. And and the reason I'm bringing this up is because so I wasn't watching live. I was at work and I was just reading up because I wanted to see if he was going to announce something or, you know, what what the announcement was going to be. And it was really just that he's healthy and he's back, which is great. And I, I just got finished reading the recap on the Observer site, and then I get an email from WWE. And I was like, uh-oh, don't tell me that they're hawking the new T-shirt immediately. Open the email to Roman Reigns' brand new T-shirt. And I thought, you know what? If they are actually donating some of the proceeds to cancer research, 
I'm all for this thing. I'm like, that. this is a really good idea. And so I click on the email and I open it. And they're just selling Roman Reigns' t-shirt. I was like, wow. Like, that is like so tone deaf to the whole thing that I was just... And I shouldn't have been surprised because this is just kind of what they do. But I was so flabbergasted. And, and, and so in thinking that way, I was just kind of wondering because I was trying to do the timeline of when he left. And... You know, all cancer is serious, right? Like, this is not something that is not a serious issue. Um, any sort of cancer, like, is very scary. But what I wonder is, is because they kept things so secret, I wonder originally, like, what the prognosis was as far as, like, how long he would be out. Because we know that he did the movie with The Rock. And really, like, it was really good for him to kind of be on that break so that the fans got a little bit of a break from him. You know, it's the old Jim Cornette, how am I going to miss you if you never leave? And I thought it was, it's like, this is perfect timing. You know, he's going to get healthy. He's going to come back. He's going to be cheered. And then I started to think, well, what if he was only really going to be gone for like a month? <laughs> and they're like selling the fans on this thing of like, you know, oh, leukemia, and they're having, you know, Dean Ambrose cut promos on leukemia and Baron Corbin make fun of leukemia. And then they bring him back and 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 now they're sort of just capitalizing on cancer. And it then it kind of felt a little scummy to me. And I hate feeling that way, but because of it just being pro wrestling, I sort of like, I, I kind of look for the potholes and I don't want to step in them, you know? But that I mean, that's just sort of my long-winded view of of how that happened and that doesn't take away from what he actually was able to accomplish which is come back from that and come on tv and be back you know i love you you know this i really i really like roman reigns a lot there's just there was just that little scummy feeling that i had that didn't sit well with me while i was watching that show but that may simply be me and it may not be other people uh and, and you know that just might be sort of the way that i am looking at this thing yeah, I guess yeah, because you know through history of wrestling, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of scummy stuff, really dirty stuff. But you know, I think I don't, I don't want to think this way about that, about this situation. I really don't. I, I think it's a, it's a positive thing, and I'm happy that he's back. Because like you, I'm a big uh, Roman Reigns guy. I think he's extremely talented. I think he is the guy. I think he has everything that people should cheer and want to cheer and support. I mean, he's, you know, a good wrestler and really, you know, always has good matches. And and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he's back on the show. And I hope the fans finally treat him with respect because, you know, he was deep. He busts his ass every every show that I've been to. I mean, I've seen him at plenty of times at live events. They're not taped for TV. And, and he's he's working hard. And, and, of course, in matches on Raw, he's always working hard. And, of course, the pay-per-views, he always delivers at least, if not the best match of the night. So, um. Yeah, I, I'm happy he's back, and I'm curious to see what they have planned for him. And the other thing is, uh, and I love getting in these conversations because there is this idea that Roman Reigns isn't over, and I think what they really mean is is that he isn't the beloved white meat baby face that they try to portray him as. And, and so whenever I get into this conversation, I go, okay, there is a difference with what you are saying and what, and what you are trying to communicate. 
he is way over. <laughs> he gets cheered and booed and just reaction on top of reaction. Now, the, my question to you is that idea of that like white meat baby face who can keep that consistent uh, crowd reaction. Do you think with this current fan base, which is more hardcore than ever, and as you know, the hardcore fans are the ones who generally don't necessarily go with the vibe of, of what WWE is trying to do. Do you think anybody could ever get that sustained, you know, reaction of, of six months of just hot baby face, baby face? Or do you think it's always going to be like this where you're going to have lots of lots of cheers and then some people will turn on the idea of the character? Like, I'm just wondering if you can still have that top baby face, white meat baby face reaction in today's wrestling. Uh, I think you can. You just need all the right elements. You need, you know, the heel that people are going to hate and and all that. But and the crowds are a little more fickle these days. Everyone, you know, feels that they're against the machine of people pushing. And I think they they, they, they like to latch on to other things. It's like but throughout wrestling, so if they're watching, they've, they've always pushed certain people. And, and you know, so I, I think so. I think it I think it worked out. Can Roman can Roman capture that fire? I, I I sure hope so. I think he he can. It's just everything has to line up. I mean, I mean WWE does seem, but then again, it, it's it is WrestleMania season, so angles get a little better and and a little more interesting. So I'm always curious to see WWE after WrestleMania because I want to see what they have in plan. You know, because that's mm-hmm. when it's, things start going to like a lull and. And, um, but you know, if you were, if you're watching this Monday, you think that it was, a, it was a pretty exciting project right now. Cause they did a lot of cool things. You know, we always complain about that third hour. If this was a two hour show, it would have been one of the best Raws of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That third hour is a killer. I mean, it just kind of takes the energy out and you're feeling it with matches that you really don't need. I mean, there's no need for Kurt Angle to wrestle Jinder Mahal. <laughs> just, 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 you know, just don't need it for just randomly on Raw, you know? All right, well, we'll get back to Raw in, 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 as we go through this. But if you, let, let's say Roman is going to wrestle at WrestleMania, what do you do? It's funny because, you know, when, because uh, we, we didn't really have a, a long recap of Elimination Chamber. Uh, we just kind of touched on it. Um, on our last podcast and when Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and Baron Corbin gave the shield the triple power bomb onto Strowman through a table, I thought like I remember thinking like, Huh. Is Roman coming back? Like yeah. why would they focus on these three guys and do that shield like just but then like the whole like Dean Ambrose stuff with him being a heel or what the hell he's doing, like kind of like kind of threw me off a little bit. But then, and then all of a sudden here's this Roman announcement. I'm like, wait a second, but this could be a fast lane thing. It's most likely is a fast lane. Yeah. So what do you do from come come WrestleMania with him? Now, here's something that I just I'm interested to see is going on with Seth Rollins because we do know he has an injury. You do know he's being kept from wrestling to recover in time for WrestleMania. But how serious is this injury, right? What if Roman's just 
you know, he's there for also to be the backup plan mm-hmm. if something happens with Seth. So, um, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, uh, I'm gonna give you uh, a prediction. Uh, Seth does the match, loses the match. Roman comes over, and Seth is like, "Go ahead, man, go ahead, throw <laughs> salt in Brock Lesnar's eyes." Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That would be the worst been, thing. Been, that would be the worst been, thing ever. Following our podcast, no, I mean, so it all depends how the fast lane stuff ends up. But I could see him either teaming with Strowman and maybe Ambrose kind of against the three again, or maybe just a one singles match versus Corbin where he can kill him or, or something like that. You know, cause I don't, I kind of don't want them to beat Drew McIntyre anytime soon. I'd like to see Drew get a big win at WrestleMania to lead to, um, you know, future title shots against Seth when, when, if, I mean, I'm thinking Seth's going to win the title, but if he doesn't, you know, if he does, at least you have a heel that's ready for him to compete against. We we had this great idea of John Cena coming back and facing Daniel Bryan. It doesn't look like that's going to happen if we're reading the Vince McMahon tea leaves correctly. What about Cena and Roman? Yeah. They, they've only done that match, from what I remember, once, right? On a pay-per-view? They only did it once? Yeah, it's once, but I kind of, I guess you're, you can use them. Yeah, it's a mega match, I guess, for WrestleMania for sure. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I, I'm, I'm with it. Um, I would kind of like to see Cena used for like a guy like Drew to get him, you know. Yeah, me too. Get him get him ready. But, but yeah, I'll, I'd be cool with it too. Um, um, I, wonder, I still want to know what they're going to do with Strowman. He's kind of in limbo too with all this stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, Ronda-Becky-Charlotte stuff. So <clears throat> Ronda has a match. Ronda-Natty against the Riot Squad. Uh, Becky comes in. She's still hobbling. She's got the crutch. Uh, she knocks out the goofy security guy. Mm-hmm. And then her and Ronda kind of go at it. And I thought this was actually... <clears throat> this was really interesting, and I, I really think they need to give up the Becky knee thing because what it made me realize is you have, like, a real person like Rhonda, and so Becky's got the crutch. Becky's trying to hobble. Rhonda literally walks up to her and snatches the crutch out of her hands in, like, a second, and I was like, huh, if this was real... That's exactly what she would have done to someone who's hobbling, right? And so, uh, and and then I almost thought it was like too quick. I was like, oh man, Ronda, Ronda's a little too excited here. But I, re- I really think they got to cut it out with this knee injury stuff because, uh, you know, you, you need 100% strength Becky and 100% strength Charlotte to get me to believe that one of them is going to win this match. And I don't. I don't like the knee thing. Like I know the knee thing was a way, was their goofy way to to get out of you know of, of what, just to create the storyline in of itself. But I I want this knee thing to go away because it just made me realize like this is like gonna be so fake if she's running in there on one leg, you know. Uh, there's still enough time for her to recover and <laughs> quote unquote and 
you know, once they officially announce the match as a three way at WrestleMania, they'll, uh, I'm sure she'll, you know, lose that knee injury and, and be good. But then they'll come up again during the, uh, during the match for sure. So Becky gets arrested. And I don't know if you saw what uh, on Instagram. Becky Becky basically tells uh, so okay so actually let, let let let's step back. Basically, what happens is Rhonda calls out Vince. Stephanie comes out and Rhonda says, "You need to unsuspend Becky. We need to make this match. We need to make history." And Steph's like, "Nope, not gonna happen. We gave Becky a consequence. She broke the rules. Not gonna happen." And Rhonda was like, "Okay." Well, when I came here, you know, I, I, I was I'm only going to I'm only going to do, you know, be the champion of a cha- of a belt that means something or whatever. And so she just put the belt in the middle of the ring and walked out. So the next day, Becky posted on Instagram uh, something about, you know, Rhonda, you need to go go back and, and, and get that belt because I don't want to win it from Steph. I want to win it from you. And she basically put up photos of pretending like that she had mug shots. Mm-hmm. And then so Rhonda comments on the post and she's like, well, what do you think I'm trying to do, dumbass? I'm doing all this stuff while you're taking fake pictures in the back like you're in, 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 <laughs> like, you know, fake mug shots or whatever. So I thought that was actually pretty funny. Um, so, that you know, funny. that that uh, I, I thought that was, you know, that was a, a, a really, a really good angle. And then Charlotte the next night cuts this promo, looking like a rock star, and uh, and she basically says that she's gonna go to Raw. Vince McMahon is gonna hand her that Raw Women's Title because you know Ronda doesn't want it. She should get it, and so she's gonna show up on Raw. And so I, I kind of like what they're doing here. Uh, you know, we we've kind of exposed some of the goofiness uh, of it, but still. The, the full story that they're telling they're 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 giving all three of these women an opportunity to show them you know show off and, and show how good they are I think Charlotte is hitting a home run I think Becky's doing a really good job you know I think Rhonda probably needs to slow down a little bit because she's so excited but I mean she brings that different level of like I, sometimes I worry that she's going to snap in the ring, and I think that's what you want, right? You want that, like, oh shit, is she really going to do something? Because that she just has that whatever that thing is, she's got it. And that, this whole thing, I think, has been really well done so far. Yeah, the only thing I can critique about the angle on Monday night on on on, on Raw was the fact that I didn't like Ronda's promo. I thought a lot of what she said wasn't her. I thought I I understand what they're doing. They're trying to manipulate the crowd to cheer Ronda because she's been getting booed in this program with Becky. But like some of the stuff she was saying, I mean, laying the belt on the line, uh, down down, and saying, you know, this is I don't know, if this doesn't mean anything, I don't want it. You know, this is how you're making it. This shall not mean nothing. I like that part of the aspect of the story. I just don't like like the way she was kind of like. Asking Beck, uh, asking Stephanie to reinstate her the way she was doing. A little bit of pandering, yeah. A little, little yeah, bit of, like yeah, that. That that definitely is not her. That's not her at all. Like she's you know queen bitch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's she's Ronda. She demands stuff. She, you know she she's not gonna like cower to Stephanie. Not that she was cowering a, like a lot. It's just just didn't feel like her you know and that's the only thing i can critique about that 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 angle was her promo but but charlotte yes 
she comes out there looking like a superstar because she is, and she has it all, and she cuts a, another really good promo second week in a row. I mean, she's really hitting a home run with this. A lot of people who are mm-hmm. bitching and moaning about why well, you put Charlotte in here. Well, this is why. Right? <laughs> well, well, the the thing if you want to really upset the fans, you can tell them that Charlotte is actually doing better stuff than Becky. And then they're going to go crazy, but I kind of believe it. I kind of believe like Charlotte is just awesome right now. Yeah, she's she's definitely on fire and and I look forward to her promo on Raw and continuing the what they're going to lead into Fastlane. Fastlane, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that. Like what do you do with them? Do you, do you have some kind of confrontation again or do you have a match with Charlotte and Ronda? Because I would think they would want to get that singles match in, but I don't want to. I kind of don't want to see that because I don't want to keep the the anticipation, yeah, you know, going until WrestleMania. But knowing WWE, knowing they got to fill up time on shows, I can. I have a feeling they might rush that to do that match, which I hope not. So, how does? Becky get in the match. I think we uh, the thing that I want to see. Obviously, I think is what everyone wants to see is Becky puts the old man in the disarmor. That's what I want to see. But Rhonda and Stephanie have history. If you continue, oh, that, could, that could happen at Fastlane too. You're right. If you continue this thing of you know Rhonda's asking for something and and Stephanie keeps butting in and saying you know this is what we're doing and maybe Rhonda you know, puts a beat down on Stephanie and Stephanie caves or, you know, I, I just, I just don't see Stephanie accepting a match for the stipulations, mm-hmm. you know, cause she, that would be really dumb. Cause she's plus for Becky's character. It just doesn't make sense for having Rhonda fight for her. Right. 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 It just doesn't make sense. But I mean, Becky could say, you know, I'm on one leg, Stephanie, you know, why don't you fight me for it? And, and if you beat me, you know, and and she's on the bad leg, and maybe Stephanie, being you know her father's daughter, thinks like, oh, you know, I think I could actually take her because she's got a bad wheel. I, I mean, that that's something they that that they could do, but um, yeah, it, it's it, that that is my intrigue, and I don't want to. I I think the you know, the match is going to be great, and how they get there, I, I'm going to be fine with it. Generally, I just don't want it to feel too cheesy as long as it's not too cheesy i think i'll be okay but i, I do want to see you know what what does vince still have up his sleeve you know how, like vince isn't throwing 95 miles an hour like he once was <laughs> but you know can he still touch 88 you know can he give us eight, an 88 mile an hour fastball you know creative on this i think i'd be satisfied with that i think he's been doing pretty good with this storyline i think a lot of people like i said they're upset with the whole house charlotte gonna fit in and just they wanted to be a singles matching becky and ronda but like i mean he sticked his guns and wanted charlie in there and you know i think that was that definitely hit a home run there so and i kind of like the how he how he did the charlotte put her in the match i thought that was a really cool idea so we'll see let's see what they have planned coming up next Big Dave Batista's back. <laughs> what did you think of the Flair birthday storyline and to get Batista back into the swing of things? I mean, it was a good surprise, even though we kind of knew that, you know, 
something was happening because I, I want those blue lens sunglasses. <laughs> He's always stylish, man. Big Dave Batista's always stylish, but it's just okay. This is this is a fun. This is this is the wackiness of kayfabe or no, no, the non-existent kayfabe anymore. It kind of just messes my brain sometimes because we do know. As they talk about it all the time. Ric Flair talks about it all the time how one of his best friends <laughs> is Dave Batista. How they used to party together, go on the road together, tear the town up together. So, like, him beating up Ric Flair just doesn't, like, sink into me. You know what I mean? I don't. I well, don't he's really going to have to. He's definitely going to have to explain himself on Monday. Yeah. He's yeah. going to have to have yeah. a really good promo. Yes, and like you know, beating up one of his best friends to get Triple H's attention. Yeah, why does he care so? Why like what? What is the? Why does he care so much about this match? And why and does then, Triple H care so little about this match? Yeah, well, because we haven't. When has Batista asked about this match? <laughs> right. Only, o- only in uh, in the inside uh, in the inside wrestling uh, websites that yeah, he does like, interviews for. No one that has he been on like in his you know. Well, you know, my next movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, but I really want to fight Triple H. Well, he's being a pussy. You're not trying to be <laughs> like, That never happened. So, like, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, well, let's wait to judge it next week. But, uh, you know, cool. You know, it's a nice special attraction match for WrestleMania. Um, we'll see how good it's going to be. I think it'd be, it'll be good. But I remember the, that last show. I know, I know you heard his, his pectoral muscle at the Saudi Arabia show, but mm-hmm. like, but before that, Triple H did look like a step slower than I've seen him. Like oh yeah! He finally hit me like he he looked he he looked older, you know. So in the ring, so we'll see. I think it'll be a lot of smoke and mirrors. I'm guessing it'll be a no disqualification match. You'll take the Jericho playbook. We'll just make it a no disqualification, <laughs> and. Uh, so that's that's what that's why I think it's gonna happen at WrestleMania. That that that'll be a no rules, no disqualification step. There'll be tables and blah blah blah, and, and they'll hug afterwards. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Well, I mean, you know, these guys both look like a million bucks still, but the real but the reality is is Batista is uh, fifty and Triple H is forty nine. That's the reality. But this is just a one match thing, right? Yeah. It's only for WrestleMania. That's it, right? So, unless they can convince him to stay longer, like last time, he's you know, he stayed past WrestleMania. It was with the Evolution thing, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool little special attraction thing. Okay, so Vince McMahon. Uh, so they did a segment to to open SmackDown. And this will be uh, two other things about the road to WrestleMania. Uh, so. They're about to do the Kofi contract signing. Daniel Bryan is sitting behind the desk. Stephanie uh, is, even though this is Shane's show, Stephanie kind of like did a lot of the cheerleading, which I thought was interesting. Uh, So she was saying, you know, Kofi Kingston pinned Daniel Bryan. Kofi Kingston pinned Daniel Bryan. Kofi Kingston did so good at the Elimination Chamber to, to, to hype him up. And he comes out with the New Day. And right as he's about to sign the contract to face Daniel Bryan at Fastlane, Vince McMahon's music plays. 
And this is like, um, this is like a, akin to a horror movie when you're like all alone in the house and you start hearing noises. Like I was like, Kofi, hurry up and sign the stupid thing. Like sign the contract. Vince is coming. He's going to change his, she's going to change the match. Sign the contract. Vince's music plays. Kofi stops dramatically turns around to face Vince who's coming out to make an announcement and then they take the match away from him come on Kofi you got you got to understand you got to know the genre here so uh Vince announces that Kevin Owens is more deserving than Kofi Kingston even though Stephanie McMahon just spent five minutes telling us why Kofi Kingston is so deserving of this match and we have not seen Kevin Owens in months and months and months. So that didn't make any sort of sense to me. Uh, and I think I think this is Vince knowing that he's got the hardcore fans kind of twirled around his finger with this Ronda, Becky, Charlotte thing. And he's like, okay, how can I fuck with them some more? Because it's working. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. Like, Because otherwise it doesn't really make that much sense because Kofi's so hot right now. And, and and one of the you know one of the problems is if you do take him away from this match, WWE historically, at least in the recent years, has not been able to keep guys who have organically become hot, uh, keep that keep their steam. And so I worry a little bit about that. But I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But I I was just like, man, this guy he's he he's feeling it right now. Like he's 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 feeling like. Uh, uh, you know the genetic jackhammer all over again, or something. Yeah, I wonder what they're gonna do. I mean, it's gonna be a three-way a fast lane, and then Daniel retains, and then Kofi and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Now, I mean, I can see them kind of riding this momentum, and you know, really focusing and wanting to present this special moment of Kofi winning the championship at WrestleMania. You know, I don't think it'll be a long reign, but you know, I can see them doing that feel-good moment, you know, WrestleMania moment that can always look back to. So they said Kofi's been with WWE for 11 years. I thought back to when I was a kid and how many people had been with WWE for long extended periods of time. Now, obviously, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Undertaker, those are <laughs> those are kind of like, you know, the, the legends who have just been there forever. And I thought, well, you know, Hogan came back to WWE in late 83, early 84, and then he was gone by 92. So, like, Kofi Kingston's been with WWE in this run longer than Hogan's, like, main run in WWE. That's how long Kofi has been around. I have an issue with the Lifetime Achievement (laughs) Award title, though. Not to say that he's not a good wrestler, because I do think he's a good wrestler, uh, he's been around. He's had really good matches. I remember the series with Randy Orton. But I don't know if he should just get the belt because he's been around so long. It almost – and look, belts probably mean less than, than than they ever have been or ever have meant. But Daniel Bryan has done a pretty good job with this current title. AJ Styles did a really good job just prior. And now you give it to – Kofi because he got over because someone got injured and you put him in their spot. Mm, I'm I, I'm not really cool with that. 
I know. Me neither. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I also don't believe in lifetime achievement wars, but WWE d- does like the book feel good moments, you know, and, you know, look at, I mean, look at Dolph Ziggler winning the title at one time. It wasn't just because that was their grand plan. It was just like, let's pop the crowd. You know, that was basically why he got the title, why he cashed in and won it. Dolph Ziggler did. So I can see him kind of like, you know, let's, let's ride this and do a quick title change and then get it right back on to right back on to Brian. And I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of changing the titles just because let's do a feel good moment. I think it's counterproductive for the long run, but, but I could just see WWE doing this. Yeah. You know? Yep. I was. I'm kind of. I mean, I'm kind of bummed. You know, I, I, I don't mind Kevin Owens coming back. I just, I just kind of was hoping for a singles match with Kofi and Daniel Bryan because I, I just think it'd be a good match and Daniel could definitely create that drama for and, and, and really build up to a great title match like he always does. So, and did you, Kevin Owens coming back. Did you feel like I don't? I didn't get that those promos he did and <laughs> it, just, it just shows you it just shows it's you how last that. minute the decision making was yeah yeah they decided to do something different because he went from just like you said goofy fat guy right fat guy problem pizza yeah pizza to coming in like a badass and i like how he presented himself you know hit the stunner yeah, I just like how he came in and like stared at Dan- like you know, I, I'm not worried about this nonsense with the new day. Um, you know, this yeah. Kofi stuff. Yeah. This is the you know I don't really care. I get this title match. I, I really I really like that. I thought Brian was good too. I thought he was he was the way he was like leaning back in his chair. He had the, he had everything down for this segment too as well. The other thing that doesn't make sense is we remember Kevin Owens headbutting and busting open Vince McMahon on TV, which leads to those matches between Shane and Kevin Owens. And it was just like, you know, it's not like that was that long ago. Like, it just was like, all right, we can just forget about this and have it not explained. But uh, maybe maybe Kevin Owens will figure out how to explain it when he does his uh, interview next week. Yeah. 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 All right, so last bit of uh, the Road to WrestleMania, and we'll move on. Uh, The NXT guys, uh, and I say NXT guys, they're basically on both rosters. Ricochet, uh, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Aleister Black. They are doing really well. Like It's almost the opposite of how they brought up the other guys, and I wonder how they figure into the WrestleMania plans. Yep, I mean they were the revival because they got a win over them. But it's also also Gargano and Ciampa got a win over them too. You could do like a three way thing, I guess, maybe with the revival. Um, because they've been focused on tag teams with these guys, so maybe that's it. I do know there's you know Ciampa and actually I'm sorry Black and Ricochet will be teaming up in that Dusty tournament, so. You know, it's it's that we have a surprise, some big matches coming up at WrestleMania weekend. So I think I could see kind of see a three or the revival because who's revival have coming up? Um, yeah, uh, unless they do the the Edgeheads again. Yes, they could do that because they've been doing this losing streak gimmick. Heavy machinery could play into it, but I think they might be for the Andre Giant Battle Royal. You know, yeah. I can see Otis winning that. 
Yeah. I, I wonder if uh, this our truth thing, this our truth open challenge, because you know John Cena is his hero ever since he was a little kid. Lisa um, John Cena. <laughs> well, I mean, it could lead to John Cena, and, I, and when I was talking to Big Dave about that on Wrestling Observer Radio uh, last night, and I was kind of trying to hedge him towards you know what he what he thought they were going to do, but he didn't have he didn't he didn't say anything. Uh, you know, it could be John Cena. I think it'd be a waste of John Cena. What about Alistair Black? Because he's got the mysteriousness, you know, he doesn't really talk. Like, he just, you know, you know, truth is like getting like these fluke wins. And then Alistair Black like shows up and he's like points to the WrestleMania sign. <laughs> truth is spooked and he leaves and they set up the match. Oh, this oh, this is a match? I thought, I thought you would, you'd book it to where he's like doing an open challenge at WrestleMania. Oh, they could do it that way too. They could do. Yeah. They they could. I I I would actually like, um, I would actually like them to set it up because then they could do a little bit more backstory on him and like hype him up a little bit more, tell a little bit more story because uh, he's just a mysterious guy, right? Like, I mean, mm. his character at least is, is mysterious. Or and, they didn't debut him yet. They left him for WrestleMania. He could have done the open challenge at WrestleMania. Then he debuts. Yeah. And Black Mass and wins the belt. The only thing he did on R Truth is kind of like a fun comedy character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But I did, I did, I did enjoy the SmackDown segment with R Truth when he came out. You know, talking about his hero when he's a little kid, John Cena. <laughs> I, I thought the comedy was this was good comedy. This is good stuff. And then the matches, you know, very entertaining with Andrade and uh, and Ray and. There was a moment when after Truth wins, he's on the outside, he's getting his belt, and he's walking to the back of Carmella, and he like looks at the camera like, "Yeah, got to survive that." <laughs> like it was like perfect, really he, good stuff. He, I, I, I almost feel like he is a small fish in a big pond. But if he was in like a like if he was in TNA now uh, you know TNA has its own issues but if he could do this stuff in TNA where he actually is like one of the top guys uh, he he'd be so good because he's just such an entertaining person i i i imagine like he's you know uh, uh, of the 50 people on that roster he's got to be like one of the best hangs out of all those guys imagine the stories that he has right cuz he's got there's that one historical picture with him and Tupac you've seen that picture before yeah he's He's a cool dude. I mean, he worked APW once in Bakersfield, and he was like one of the coolest cats to come to the locker room. And dude, I'd and lo- I would love to hang out with that guy. Zero attitude, just like all smiles. Like you know, at the time he was, you know, featured big at, in TNA. So like, but he had no attitude at all. He just came in like, "Hey guys, what's up?" and this, this and that. So I always like truth and and. and the stuff with uh, the stuff with he did on that show, I, I I like to see it continue. Like, like oh three way, whoa, whoa, like you know, like back up <laughs> the challenge, but not like a it's like not a heel thing. It's just a, it's his, his goofiness, and I don't know. I was I had a big smile on my face. I, I really like that segment a lot. Look, man, I still I will go to my grave saying that as stupid as the little Jimmy stuff was, his invisible friend, little Jimmy. I loved the attempt to make that thing work. I I got a kick out of it. 
being okie doked by little Jimmy. Oh, and then and, and, uh, what was that other character that he did? He did the Pretty Ricky or whatever, where he's like all yeah. that. He actually stole that from um, Blue Streak. You ever see Blue Streak with Martin Lawrence? Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, the, when Martin's trying to get into the police department and he dresses up as like the the pizza guy with the big old funky glasses and the teeth and, and the velour suit. Like that's where that, that had to be where, where truth got that, that pretty Ricky character. So that's funny. Um, okay. So that is the end of our road to WrestleMania segment. I think we only got like four more of these things or something. Cause WrestleMania is coming up so quick. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about quickly UFC 235. I kind of use you as my, thermometer on this stuff because you were once as big of a MMA fan as there was and I know you know just UFC and Bellator has kind of you know left you a little cold to the sport you know for many reasons not you know not any particular reason but when you have UFC 235 you have John Jones title defense Tyron Woodley against Kamaru Usman and Robbie Lawler against Ben Askren. Ben Askren's, you know, first UFC fight, which is actually kind of interesting. What are you feeling about this card? I know, you know, it's not going to be that humongous buy rate. There's no, like, big, you know, big money match. But I'm actually looking really, um, you know, maybe not as much to the John Jones fight because I think he's going to win pretty easily. But those other two fights, I'm actually really interested in those two fights. Yeah, the, the the one I'm interested in most is the uh, the Askren Robbie Lawler fight, just because I was such a huge Ben Askren fan in the Bellator days. Like he was one of my favorites to watch, even though a lot of people called the style boring. To me, he wasn't boring. He was just dominant, and and I want to see him be dominant in the UFC just to kind of stick it to Dana White, you know, a little bit. And he's a great promo, great. He can be a great heel. He can be a great baby face. It all depends what the, what what town he's in. I guess he's in his hometown. He's a great baby face, but usually he's a great great heel. And he's, he really missed his calling card in, in pro wrestling, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I assume he's gonna out wrestle and smother Robbie Lawler, but but you know Robbie Lawler's been known to pull out wins, you know, when he looks like he's about to lose. So he's so dangerous. So it's definitely. Definitely a tough match for Askren. Very dangerous match for Askren. Yeah. Um, the the opener, the was it Munoz and, and Cody Gardant? Like that. That's a good fight, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like the the then, whole the top five. I mean, Tisha Torres, and then even on the undercard, uh, Diego Sanchez. Like that. How, when's the, how many more times are you gonna oh, see wow. Diego Sanchez fight? You know. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the main event to the prelims is uh, Jeremy Stevens against, uh, oh my God, here we go, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Ma- Mag- Perfect. Ma- <laughs> Magomed Sharapov. <laughs> That's, uh, and, you know, those guys are, 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 you know, top level fighters. But Diego Sanchez against Mickey Gall, the great Mickey Gall. Oh, the, the punk killer. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, no, it, you know, it was funny. I was uh, at work and on the big screen at work. We have a TV over there. I just saw, just kind of saw the commercial. You know, I was just thinking like, oh man, that card's that card's pretty stacked. I, I'm gonna, I really want to see it. I'm gonna I'll figure it out if I can even maybe run over there for the main event or something like that. Because 
you know what I feel like? I feel like I'm going to miss this show, and then this is going to be a show that this you know, John Jones loses by knockout. Like, this <laughs> I just had that gut feeling. But I mean, I it's just a gut feeling. Like I can see something like that happening, me missing, and all of a sudden, like, oh my god, John Jones got knocked out. But I mean, I think he's going to win. But yeah, you know, I could just. But then you know, that's usually what happens sometimes. You know, you miss a show because just because ad. I don't think they didn't watch it all of a sudden. Like, wait a second, Miss History. Yeah. Like, what's yeah. that show we just saw that we, well, you know, people skipping the, the cyborg show. Like, yeah. Yep. We, no one thought that she was going to lose anyone anytime soon. And and then, uh, you know, Man Nunes shocked the world in that one. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So let's move on to the last segment of the show, which we usually save for the last segment, which is our review of 1993 Raw. So this is episode eight. Wait, and what's up? I'm so sorry. It's quickly. You mentioned Impact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you seen these announcements of guys signing three-year contracts? I know. I'm. I'm like. What, what are they? What are they? Yeah. What, are they what? getting? <laughs> are they getting Taco Bell border <laughs> Or like, why would they sign for three years for a place that has like TV that no one gets? Like, I think it's all just so much as bullshit honestly yeah well what the the contract has to be like as as cement locked down uh, you know (laughs) as a piece as like a napkin right like like i when when the company is so um you know their future is is seemingly always in doubt and they're kind of like I, i i don't know if they're month to month i don't i don't imagine they're month to month but maybe they are like, how can you sign a contract and and just like be confident that they're going to be around? But then again, you know what you know what it kind of is like is like when you take a job, uh, maybe you're in between jobs and you go, you know what, I'm just going to work here at this place because, you know, I I I, I I'm sort of in between my career and what I want to do, and there's nothing good there, and I'm going to sign here, and, and and you know, you go work for this place. Who knows how long it's going to be around? Like that's sort of normal, but um, you know, I I I feel bad in saying that because I hope you know, just like everyone else, I hope TNA figures it out because they have some pretty good talent and they have some smart people in that company and you know Jericho's always trying to big up those guys saying how you know they 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 offered him a ton of money but he before he decided to go to AEW obviously Don Callis is his friend but you know I, I hope that they I hope that they could figure it out we interviewed Jerry Jarrett over the weekend and wh- I, I wanted to kind of steer the conversation in a, in a somewhat organic way towards a couple of TNA impact uh, conversations but questions but i it didn't really work out so if we do it again i kind of want to ask him what of his thoughts because i mean he and jeff you know they were the original co-founders of that company and they've been gone forever and this thing is still like chugging along like like i wonder what what jerry thinks about it just from like that you know perspective of you know what he envisioned and versus what it is now and if he ever thought it was gonna you know last as long as it did yeah i mean i mean i now, I was just joking around, but like I do want them to be successful. I do want another place for wrestlers to earn a living. Uh, but like I just like seeing like three years just blew my mind. I like, know. I know. Three years of what? Like I hope you know. I hope it works out for them. But I don't see it lasting another six months. But then again, we said that again. We said that for a long time. You know. I mean, I, what what I hope is that. 
I hope these guys have opt-outs. Like if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to give you my next three years and there's a possibility that all of a sudden they miss payroll, like maybe if they miss payroll once, then you're like, okay, I can opt out immediately. Like maybe that's something what's written in the contract because if I'm if I'm someone who's signing a long-term deal with them, I want to have the option to get out of that contract when I can. And so maybe there's there's there's, you know, something in that. I mean, there's no house shows. There's like just just these TV tapings and that pay-per-view and so it's just interesting to me. I, I just seen that news on on Twitter the other day, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. But but all in all, I do I, I do hope they're successful because like you know, a place for people to work. But yep. yep. I just, I just when you said impact, is that just ring my bell again without a three year contract? I mean, and you have guys, you have guys who are working there who you have you know booked and and had some somewhat of communication with, like some like Brian Cage, um, you know, so. I know that you see things in him and, and you want him to do well in his career and he's there. So, you know, you, yeah. I, you always say many things, you know, really good things about John Morrison and he's like their top guy. So, yeah, no, no, I definitely, I just, that's just, that's just, I just didn't see like that coming, but you know, that's, man, they want to put us positive spin on things and I hope they can find a, a new network. Cause they definitely got to get away from pursuit. Cause no one's watching that thing. I mean, we're seeing like, 12,000 views now. I, mean, I, know, it, I know. On Pop, it was, what, uh, 200,000 views, which is nothing either in the big big, big scheme of things, but like still better than 12,000, right? That's, that was amazing. I saw those ratings come in. I'm like, wow. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, so Raw Episode 8. Uh, this is two months of, of, of Monday Night Raw. This is the... The eighth week, the eighth episode, and they're still trying stuff. Like there's, they're they're not, they don't have like a consistent open the way that they open the show. Uh, they don't really have the Rob Bartlett role all figured out. And on this episode, they do like a written intro, and I think it's supposed to be funny. It's not really funny. Vince McMahon is trying to be uh, entertaining and it's really goofy because they talk about the Elvis stuff from last week and you know Elvis had already been dead for like 25 years at the point you know 20 years at least at this point so it's really it's really weird uh, that that they're you know using that as like a, a thing to talk about but they open and Vince says something to the effect of Rob Bartlett is back and it's like was he not supposed to be back? Like, what's going on here? But he very, very much was like, you know, almost insinuating that, you know, you didn't think he was coming back and he's back. And I was like, well. I think it was more of the Elvis thing, right? Like, I, okay. Elvis. So, so because he was Elvis. Yeah. This time he's Barlet. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. I, 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 so I get that. I get that. But you, you're skipping over the. The great singing by Hulk Hogan in the promo. Oh yes, 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 yes. Well, well, uh, yeah. You know what? I actually had that in my note, which is Hogan and Beefcake. This sort of harkens back to the Saturday Night Live, uh, Saturday yes. Night Main Event, 
open where they would open with promos and the music in the background but they do a saturday night live they actually open it like saturday night live like if you if you are a saturday night live watcher you know that the beginning of the show starts with kind of like a short skit and then the actors in the skit will say it's saturday night and that kind of kicks off the show and beefcake and hogan do that they're like it's monday night raw and so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, and, and you're right, Hogan singing, Beefcake is, you know, bionic barber or whatever Hogan called them. <laughs> what did uh, they're talking about their Harleys and how that they're going to uh, get the tag titles and put them on the front of their Harleys and drive around to Venice Beach. But then Bruce Beefcake calls his handles ape hangers, which... You know, I've always heard that term for, <laughs> for the, the the Harleys. Like it's not it's that the new to me. I've, I've you know when I was you know all my friends drove Harleys, they would say that. But it just it sounded funny when he said it. And then Hogan called it a different thing. Made sure to call it a different thing. <laughs> they called it Y Wides or something like that. And, and, it was just like beefcake. Gosh, man, don't talk, please. <laughs> what happened? We have that guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Jimmy Hart is like their secret weapon. He had one job to do, and it was to get the money ink to sign the dotted line on the contract, which didn't seem really like a hard job, but okay. Yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, so but that, I mean that's that's the only thing that they did on the show was just do that that open. Uh, but you know, money ink is very much on this show. Uh, so that you know that they're that match is front and center even overshadowing Bret Hart and Yokozuna like you know like probably it was going to no matter what um but uh so they they open with the Tito and Virgil versus Money Inc match and this is an interesting match because the heels are the champions and Basically, Tito and Virgil take like 90% of this match. And, mm-hmm. you know, Tito's Tito's great. He's, he's you know, one of the best tag team wrestlers, you know, in WWE history. He He's like the, you know, basically you could put Tito against just about anybody and it's going to be, you know, pretty good stuff. Virgil's like the opposite of that in that... Uh, I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm watching Tito throw a punch and I'm like, wow, I, you know... I used to love Tito just throwing a punch. He would wind up and he'd cock the, the 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 fist right behind his ear like someone would be throwing a football, and he and, and he'd throw that punch and he'd do that big stomp. And then I watch Virgil do something as simple as a clothesline, and it looks so terrible. Um, yeah, it looks like uh, we used to do it in second grade. Like <laughs> arm out and run at a guy. Um, uh, it was but, actually the match was a lot better than I was expecting. Once I saw Virgil come out, I was like, "Ugh, yep. man!" But but you know you have Tito, you have you know Mike Rotunda, Ernar Scheister, you have Teddy Biasi. So they they kept it all they kept together, and the the crowd was into it. So. Oh yeah, and uh, it's it's funny because you know it was only what would have been two years prior that DiBiase and Virgil split up. Mm-hmm. And they do the whole, you know, I mean, there, there, there's lots of racial tones to that angle, right? And and so uh, DiBiase kind of looks at Virgil and he kind of smiles and he puts his foot on the second turnbuckle and then pretends like he's like uh, 
shining his his boot and then like points to Virgil. <laughs> like I was like I was like okay, that's I mean that's a good way to remind us that you guys you know used to be together, but yeah. yeah. But going back to the you're like you know the baby faces took ninety percent of the match and that's like kind of that standard stuff you know the they're gonna lose and Tito's an established guy. And so he's going to get a lot of stuff in. He's going to get a lot of offense. The heels are going to bump their asses off for the baby faces. And finally, a cut off, some heat, and then the comeback. And then, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty standard format tag match, I thought, for especially for who's involved. You know, if, yeah. it, was two, if it was two job guys, you know, definitely Money Incorporated should thrash those guys. But it's just, it's just when you watch even two job guys, if the job guys are good, then it's fine, but I'm just watching this match, and every time Virgil, Virgil tagged in, he was lost. <laughs> he didn't know where to go. He does this crappy offense, and I was just like, they just need to grab Virgil and like break him in half and pin him because he's driving me nuts. Or why don't they just write him off at Survivor Series 92 when Yokozuna just destroys him <laughs> with, with the big bonsai, the, the best bonsai in wrestling ever. And like, just like, why? Like, I don't know. I don't see the. I don't see the positive Virgil ever. You know. I mean, actually, no. I did. I'll take that back. I did enjoy the whole bodyguard with Teddy Biasi. Um, Actually, I was excited when he turned babyface because that was something they've been building for years. But then the matches happened. And it was like, oh man, they had to throw Piper in there. Yep. Yep. To you know, help him out on promos. And, uh, yeah, Virgil, he's a tough watch, man. Mm-hmm. Then he showed up at WCW, and it's like a rash. It's like, <laughs> man. Uh, another highlight for me on this show is we could see Rick the Martel Martell back. And um, <laughs> he's, he's so classic that on Raw they have ring girls. And, you know, it, ring girls historically in boxing, they hold up what round it is and you walk around and basically showing the live crowd, you know, what the round is now it's wrestling. So you don't really have to show the rounds and that, you know, they have like these signs that have like these catchphrases or whatever for raw and models like judging these, uh, these women. And he's like, no, no, no. Let me show you how to do this. Here's how you actually model this kind of thing. I was cracking up. Um, and he does this a couple different times. The second time he does this, the the woman who looked really young and she was wearing these like Daisy Duke booty shorts and there's this gratuitous like up short uh, camera shot of her stepping out of the ring after the model tells her to, you know, to, to, to beat it. I was like, oh, my God, like the. You know, the, that that was about as risque as you were going to get, even more Macho, so than I thought. And then Macho makes a comment about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like oh, oh. Like, I, I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like, like yeah. you have to say something. So that, I thought that was interesting. But, um, okay, so Tatanka, who, you know, we've been talking about how, how fire he has been. He faces, uh, you know, at this point, Phil Apollo is like a WWE journeyman, but I know he was doing stuff previously, um, you know, with Gary Hart and and, and stuff. But uh, do do you know anything else about Phil Apollo's career? Yeah, he worked as uh, Doink too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but he was like uh, he was like a fat Doink though, because he's like not. 
he's a pretty big guy. Yeah, he did some work as Doink, and especially after Matt Bourne was fired. Um, also, Steve Lombardi did as well. So it was kind of a combination of people. But, um, you know, he's, he was a New York-based guy, if I remember correctly. And, yeah, he did some stuff in World Class. as like he had, like, he was a manager, wrestler thing, and him and Gary Hart co-managed some people and, yeah, I don't know if it really worked out, but you know he's he had a good match with Tatanka. Uh, he's a solid worker, and and you know yeah, Tatanka looked great. Tatanka's yeah. like the baby face we were talking about. If that kind of baby face even exists today anymore, like the crowd just goes crazy for this dude. Yeah, this was this was what I like about wrestling back then as growing up, like how like you would go back and look at a guy's run in a promotion, and be like, you know, he never got a championship. Yeah. Like, like you know, Tatanka was a pretty over guy, a pretty popular guy. They, and he also, when they turned him heel, he had a pretty good heel push, you know. And he never once had a championship. And that's what made the title so important. Any of those titles were so important because they, they, they rarely would change hands. And now they change, but weekly. You know, it's like Memphis on the, the WWE these days. So... Um, it just, I just, I remember just thinking that like, man, this guy, I'm surprised he never got an IC run or a, or a attack title run. Just never, just never had anything like that. Well, Tatanka to that crowd, that Monday night raw crowd, he is more over to that crowd than Becky Lynch is consistently to crowds today. Like, you know what? I think he won the tag titles later on. He came back. <laughs> Dude, thought, well, who gives a shit about that era? <laughs> like, it didn't mean anything, so it's yeah. almost like he didn't win it. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, but when okay, in this era, right, when titles rarely changed hands, but you would think the way he was positioned, like, I thought, honestly, I thought for sure he's winning at WrestleMania 9. Yeah. You know, I, like, I, I predicted it as a kid. I'm like, oh, he's winning this. He's winning this. <laughs> but that didn't come true, so. But yeah, he looked good, and and uh, and and his finisher, the was it the um, the trails end or something like that? Was they call this finisher? Yeah, I don't remember the Samoan drop, right? Yeah, like, look how simple that finisher is. Mm-hmm. There was some, there was some simple finishes in this show. Um, IRS basically does a back suplex on on Virgil and pins him. Yeah, yeah, um, still still a great move and and still an awesome looking move and executed correctly and, and it looked good too when he did it because he's always was technically sound. So Brett does an interview in uh, Mean Gene's WrestleMania Nine uh, report, and Brett pegs himself as the underdog for WrestleMania. I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't really remember him pegging himself as the underdog. And so then when Mr. Fuji does his interview for Yokozuna, he's basically telling Brett, like, oh, like, you already think you're going to lose. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to win this match. I was like, yeah. huh. That was that was kind of an interesting build-up to that match. I like that dynamic, though. I like that, you know, Brett's getting it over that this guy's like a – a mountain of a man, right? 500 plus pounds. Like he has a big mountain to climb to defeat him. So yeah, he is considered the underdog. And then you have Fuji, be, you know, saying now we're getting in your head, right? Yeah. You're yeah. Feel like you're the underdog. We're one step ahead and we're, step, we're, we're going to take that title. I, I felt like a real sports thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I enjoyed it. So Papa Shango, who I think this is our first uh, Monday night raw viewing of Papa Shango. 
Uh, he faces Mike Edwards, and and you know, it's Pop Shango match. He does that backbreaker to to win it. But I thought the funniest thing is. Vince is talking about, you know, they're building up Mr. Perfect against Rick the Model Martel for pretty much the whole show. And so Vince goes, uh, he asks Savage and Bartlett, like, who's going to win the main event? And Savage is like, you know what? I got to go with my guy, Mr. Perfect. He was my tag team partner at Survivor Series. He's got my back. I got his back. And Bartlett goes, wait, didn't you tell me Mr. Perfect was going to (laughs) win? I was like... I was like that dude like he, Vince had to know that was coming right because how does he not flip out if he doesn't know that's coming there was a couple things that Bartlett said that Vince no sold on him big time and then and Macho would try to save the second little <laughs> moment you know and then Macho he was a fun color commentary guy but saving saving moments was not his thing no he was not very quick yeah, yeah, but if you set him up, though, he you do all right. But uh, Papa Shango, God, man, I always I always love this look. I thought he was such a cool looking dude, and he was cool too when he was on in Memphis as the Soul Taker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really dug the the James Bond villain um, character, this whole like voodoo master thing. Um, he seemed to come around the wrong time, right? He should have came in the late '80s. You could definitely could see him doing a little run with Hogan. Yep, on the house show circuit. Um, you know, decent squash. Um, I thought the shoulder breaker was very reckless, though. Scared yeah, it it, it did me. not it did not look like very safe. <laughs> I wanted to see the the replay, but they didn't show a replay of it. But basically, he picked him up for the reverse backbreaker, the over-the-shoulder backbreaker with the wrestler facing upwards toward the lights and then down with the shoulder breaker. But, God, I he just – he didn't seem like to have much control of the guy's body. Yeah. That's and a hard it, move to do too. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. I've actually done it it's, before. But, like, you know, but, I, but not, not – not that way. It's usually the guys over the shoulder, yeah, like a power slam, and then you kind of hold the head and control guy. But, but like, yeah, the over the shoulder one was that was that was pretty scary because he didn't really hold the body just around the only thing to hold the body around the waist. He didn't really hold the guy by the shoulders to kind of guide him down slowly into the shoulder breaker. But maybe he was pissed. Maybe he wanted to make a statement. I don't know what Papa Shago was doing, but pretty scary. So Bob Backlund, who we have not seen on Raw either, um, he was in the Royal Rumble. Uh, He was in the Royal Rumble forever, but we haven't seen him on Raw yet. And Vince is saying, you know, he's 43, he's in his comeback, he wants to be on WrestleMania, and he'll eventually get on. He's going to face Razor Ramon. But uh, he comes out and faces a guy by the name of Tony DeMauro, who's pretty jacked, like not not a huge person but just like really cut and big shoulders i i don't i didn't recognize him i don't i don't know if he he did anything anywhere else uh but uh but backland wins like you know he's he's his his happy-go-lucky like really like sort of competitive wrestler amateur wrestler style character it didn't f- really fit necessarily but um 
he he actually had some pretty you know he he did amateur wrestling moves to to win the match so i thought that was actually kind of cool he does that that uh double underhook suplex which was really cool and uh but i don't i don't gather the fans are necessarily taking to to mr backlund here you didn't you think you think you got a pretty reaction i got a pretty good reaction coming out they seemed pretty they seemed pretty jazz well at least when he came out they were pretty pretty into him um it's funny because when vince announces like he's 43 making a comeback i'm like damn man i'm 42 i'm gonna be 42 <laughs> now i feel old or something like that i don't know well i mean yeah. if you if if we're as in good of shape as backland at 43 we'd, we'd be fine we are though we are <laughs> now he was a backland was a, a machine but I, I I like I like this this match. I thought I don't know I didn't know who uh, Tony Demora is either. Um, I was gonna forgot to look him up before the podcast because I actually liked him. Um, Vince liked him too. Vince saw his look and it's like, hey, made a definitely made a combat physique right away. Uh, but he looked like a you know very capable guy in there. He looked like he knew what he was doing. Uh, had some personality. Showed some personality. You know, me being a big fan of or, or big into the younger talent and. and figuring out things to do with them and helping them on their way. Like, be a guy I would like to get my hands on and, and, and figure out something because I've seen they had a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I really enjoyed, like, the struggle, like, into the hip toss. Like, it wasn't just like, uh, you just pick the guy up and hip toss him. There's a, a nice, almost like a Greco-Roman exchange in the middle into the hip toss. I really appreciated that. And I loved the uh, the, the, the cradle hold was 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 just perfectly executed like it was it was cool man and like watching this match and seeing bob backland i got excited thinking like i hope he continue into 1994 because i love me some crazy bob backland i like <laughs> i thought that was the, i thought that was great so maybe if we decide to keep this going it'd be, it'd be fun i can't wait then i can't wait for crazy bob backland so the last match is main event model against Mr. Perfect. I was very excited to see Rick Martel. It was almost like uh, inviting an old friend back into your into your life, and I was surprised to see how uh, in good shape that he looked when he took off his his uh, his yachting gear, whatever that was. He was ripped, man. Um, and you know, especially he considered especially considered the time, right? Yeah, with the with the, with the testing. And because so, and, he and was so, pretty jacked in '89. <laughs> oh huge. yeah, oh yeah, and um, and so you know, the it, it's 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 the model. He's he's the heel, and you know, perfect's baby face. So kind of the the style of match that that you would you would you would think. You know, model doesn't want to get punched in the face every time. You know, Kurt cocks his hand to punch him in the face. Model, you know, puts his hands in front of his face and goes to the corner because you know you can't punch the model in the face. Like that's his money maker. But who's who is to blame for this? Because they oh. do the finish during the commercial, and when they come back from commercial, we see Perfect going to the back. Who's directing this thing? Is it Kevin Dunn? Is it the floor director? Like someone missed a call that day. Only have a certain amount of time left. Like I know I couldn't believe it. I don't remember this, and I'm like, whoa. What? I'm surprised Vince didn't throw his the table over and start people <laughs> up like i'm sure it happened after he got in the back but wow what a mess and then it was a good match too it was yep. a really good match it was very entertaining and then 
and like when they went to the commercial break and they came back with the highlight of the finish, like it was almost like you could tell, like, like go home now, go home now, hurry up, hurry up. And then Vince and Perfect just like locked on the <laughs> the perfect flex and pinned him. Mm-hmm. But then they had to have time to go and do the spot with the girls. Yeah, I know they right? bring they bring back the two women who the model basically uh, told to beat it because he was a better ring person than than they were ring women. And they brought right. he and Perfect brought both of them back out. Yeah, I, like I would have nixed that and say, okay, we have no time to do the girls' stuff. It doesn't it doesn't make doesn't make doesn't mean anything in the grand game scheme of things. Just have him get the perfect plex on TV and then go to go home. You know. Yep. 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 So it was, uh, a, it was a funky episode of like a raw. Like uh, it was like kind of. I mean, there's some good stuff, some entertaining stuff, but like it felt like a. Did it feel like a? Felt like the weakest one of the weakest Raws we've watched so far since the new the new branding of Raw, right? Well, they did not make well, okay, so they tried to build up Money Inc. without Hogan and Beefcake there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really build up Bret Hart and Yokozuna. Lex Luger's not there to confront Perfect. So it just felt like they were like, okay, we probably have an extra week in there where we don't really need to hype things up and, but, and, and we're going to put the full steam on it, you know, soon. But but Luger is there. Right? Because there's this tape, the same taping as last week. Yeah, I think they're taping like a bunch of shows together because they're like yeah. in the UK or something at this point. And Hogan, I understand. Hogan, Beefcake, leave him off. I think, I think the promo was fine. But we, uh, minus Hogan singing. But like, <laughs> the way they did it, I think that was fine. I think showing... Uh, money getting the big win is fine. That's all good stuff. Like I, I that's all good. But like, I think you should have done something with Luger. You know, with Mister Perfect would have been you know even if it's a run in or something or maybe, or maybe Luger hits the forearm but the ref's not looking and knocks him out and then model, the model gets a pin, you know, or something. And yeah, gets, it gets more more steam on the their you know, their WrestleMania nine match. But, yeah. This is nothing really newsworthy that came out of this. Nothing felt like, wow. You know? Yeah. So that was it. And then, uh, I think what they hype for next week is typhoon mm-hmm. against Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> but I, I kind of let my thing play into the next episode and Vince is not on the show. At least he didn't open the show. You know who opens the show? No. Jim Ross. No, Gor- he's not there yet. Gorilla Monsoon. Is he in there? He's there. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it's not, it's not in Manhattan Center either, huh? Is that some college place or probably Hershey, Pennsylvania? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, it, Their wide shot definitely did not look like the Manhattan Center, but I didn't I didn't really take a quick look because I quickly shut it off because I didn't want to get spoiled for next week. Yeah, it looks like the NASA from the icon. It looks like the Nasty boys are on it. Yay. <laughs> all right man so uh we are through two months of of monday night raws and and we're gonna we're gonna keep going through 93 and then figure it out and we got four more let's say there four or five more weeks of the road to wrestlemania and then we can relax on so much current wwe that we're that we're watching but uh but yeah so that's it for this week and uh and i'm sure you know, we already kind of talked about next week. We'll we'll talk about our New Japan Cup brackets and kind of lead into that because that's going to be you know two and a half weeks of that tournament's last like two and a half weeks. So that'll be kind of fun to follow. It's not quite the G one, but I almost 
I, you know, I don't, I'll be ready for the G1 when it comes back, but I think I can only do one G1 a year. Mar- March is pretty crazy for me, at least. Like New Japan Cup, but I'll just probably mostly watch the the cup matches, and if there's some kind of big thing on the undercard, I, I'll probably check it out. But for me, there's like a big All Japan show. Um, at Corcoran Hall with uh, Kento Miyahara cha- uh, defending the title, Super Crown title against uh, Naoya Nomura, which is a big match for Nomura. He's he's you know gone from the next stream team of Miyahara and his Tachibari Aoyagi. He's going on his own. He's challenging for the title, so it's like a really big match for him. And I'm really pumped for that match. Actually, I'm super excited for that match because it's one of those breakthrough matches for him if it, if it all goes well. So. Definitely excited to see that, and I'll probably watch the whole March tour, <laughs> you know. And so I'll be watching a lot of wrestling. And there's a big Wrestle One show in March. There's a big Noah show in March. Like, just there's a lot of pretty awesome stuff in March. And then, of course, shit right after that. First week, we've got WrestleMania week, then the Carnival, All Japan's Carnival starting. Oh my god, it never ends. But I love it. I can't get enough of it. What would you do without it? Probably be really into like the mon- some minute stat of some minor league baseball player from the Giants system, you know, or just or just in general baseball, you know. Yep, yep. All right, so that'll be it for this week, and uh, and yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be back next week, and like I said, look for a new podcast with me and Doing for the Fabulous Four. We'll probably be out early early next week as well so for john i'm double g we'll see you when we see you peace out